Today is April the 21st. How did Saul do as king of Israel? Today we see the bad as we read 1 Samuel 14 to 16. Yesterday we read chapter 13. We kind of glossed over it, simply mentioning the standing army that Saul created. When he went to fight the Ammonites, Samuel told Saul, wait for me, I'll come and I'll make a sacrifice to the Lord. Then you can go into battle. Samuel said, I'll be there within the week. Well, the days began to tick off and every morning Saul looked and this fewer and fewer in his army. Men were abandoning his army. He came to the seventh day, still no Samuel, and so he began to offer the offering himself. Now, this was normal in other countries at that time. The king would also be the high priest of their religion, but not in Israel. Saul begins to offer the sacrifice, and Samuel shows up, and he says, what? are you doing? Samuel said, well, I had to do something. You delayed and the men were leaving. Samuel says, you've disobeyed God. This won't go well for you. Now they fight Ammon and they do win the war. Um, so on that side of things, things are good. For Samuel 14, uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer actually go up to an outpost of the Philistines. And there, they defeat the soldiers that were stationed in the outpost, about 20 of them. They slaughter all of them. And the entire Philistine army begins to run. Israel sees what's happening, and they take off in pursuit of the Philistines. Before they leave, Saul says, no one can eat anything or drink anything all day. We will declare a fast, and the Lord will give us victory. Well, Jonathan never heard that. So in the middle of the battle, he passes a tree with honey in it, and he takes some of the honey, some of the honeycomb, eats it, and he's refreshed. At the end of the time, Saul finds out what has happened, and he says, Jonathan, you will die. Well, the people step up and defend Jonathan and said, Jonathan has given us this great victory today. How can he die? Chapter 15, they fight against Amalek, going up against the Amalekites. Uh, Samuel tells Saul, the Lord will deliver the city into your hands. But he declares the plunder from Amalek, Cherem. What that means is that all men, women, and children were to die. All of the animals were to die. And Israel was to take nothing of the gold and silver or the rest of the plunder from Amalek. Well, they defeat Amalek, but Saul keeps King Agag alive. He keeps alive the best of their flocks. When Samuel discovers this, he says, Saul, what does the Lord want? Does he want your obedience or does he want your sacrifice? He wants your obedience. 
Samuel turns away from Saul. Saul grabs and tugs at his robe, and the robe tears. Saul is left holding a portion of his robe. Samuel turns and says, Today the Lord has torn Israel from your grasp. And in chapter 16, we meet David, a man after God's own heart. 1 Samuel 14 to 16, New Living Translation. 1 Samuel 14. One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. But Jonathan didn't tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Migran. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest, who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother Ahituv, the son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Seneh. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash. The one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then, Jonathan told him. We'll cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, we'll go up. That'll be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on. Climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. The Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, even including the outpost and raiding parties. Just then an earthquake struck and everyone was terrified. Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. Call the roll and find out who's missing, Saul ordered. When they checked, they found that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. Then Saul shouted to Ahijah, bring the ephod here. For at that time, Ahijah was wearing the ephod in front of the Israelites. But when Saul was talking to the priest, the confusion in the Philistine camp grew louder and louder. So Saul said to the priest, never mind, let's get going. Then Saul and all his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army revolted and joined in with Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even beyond Bethaven. 
Now the men of Israel were pressed to exhaustion that day because Saul had placed them under an oath saying, let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening, before I have full revenge on my enemies. So no one ate anything all day, even though they had all found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. They didn't dare touch the honey because they all feared the oath they had taken. But Jonathan had not heard his father's command. He dipped the end of his stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. After he'd eaten it, he felt refreshed. But one of the men saw him and said, Your father made the army take a strict oath that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. That's why everyone is weak and faint. My father has made trouble for us all, Jonathan exclaimed. A command like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am now that I've eaten a little bit of honey? If the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among our enemies, think how many more Philistines we could have killed. They chased and killed the Philistines all day from Michmash to Aijalon, growing more and more faint. That evening, they rushed for the battle plunder and butchered the sheep, goats, cattle, and calves. But they ate them without draining the blood. Someone reported to Saul, Look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that still has blood in it. Oh, that's very wrong, Saul said. Find a large stone and roll it over here. Then go out among the troops and tell them, Bring the cattle, sheep, and goats here to me. Kill them here and drain the blood before you eat it. Don't sin against the Lord by eating meat with the blood still in it. So that night all the troops brought their animals and slaughtered them there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first of the altars he built to the Lord. Saul said, let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. His men replied, we'll do whatever you think is best. But the priest said, let's ask God first. So Saul asked God, should we go after the Philistines? Will you help us defeat them? But God made no reply that day. Saul said to the leaders, something's wrong. I want all my commanders to come here. We must find out what sin was committed today. I vow by the name of the Lord who rescued Israel that the sinner will surely die, even if it's my own son, Jonathan. But no one would tell him what the trouble was. Then Saul said, Jonathan, I will stand over here. All of you stand over there. And the people responded to Saul, whatever you think is best. Then Saul prayed, O Lord God of Israel, please show us who is guilty, who is innocent. And they cast sacred lots. And Jonathan and Saul were chosen as the guilty ones. The people were declared innocent. Then Saul said, now cast lots again and choose between me and Jonathan. And Jonathan was shown to be the guilty one. Tell me what you've done, Saul demanded of Jonathan. I tasted a little honey, Jonathan admitted, but it was only a little bit on the end of my stick. Does that deserve death? Yes, Jonathan, Saul said, you must die. May God strike me and even kill me if you don't die for this. But the people broke in and said to Saul, Jonathan has won this great victory for Israel. Should he die? Far from it, as surely as the Lord lives. Not one hair on his head will be touched. For God helped him do a great deed today. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Then Saul called back the army from chasing the Philistines, and the Philistines returned home. Now when Saul had secured his grasp on Israel's throne, 
He fought against his enemies in every direction, against Moab, Ammon, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he was victorious. He performed great deeds and conquered the Amalekites, saving Israel from all those who had plundered them. Saul's sons included Jonathan, Ishbosheth, Malkishua. He also had two daughters, Merab, who was older, and Michal. Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Achimaz. The commander of Saul's army was Abner, the son of Saul's uncle Ner. Saul's father Kish and Abner's father Ner were both sons of Abiel. The Israelites fought constantly with the Philistines throughout Saul's lifetime. So whenever Saul observed a young man who was brave and strong, he drafted him into his army. 1 Samuel 15 One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king over his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I've decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his armies at Telayim. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites. Move away from where the Amalekites live or you'll die with them, for you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he's not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul demanded. Well, it's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We've destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. The Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they're all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil? 
in the Lord's sight. But I did obey the Lord, Saul assisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agog, but I destroyed everything else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, What's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I've sinned. I've disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now please forgive my sin. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Samuel replied, I will not go back with you since you have rejected the Lord's command. He has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and he's given it to someone else, one who is better than you. He who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind, for he's not human that he should change his mind. Then Paul, Saul pleaded again, I know I've sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel finally agreed and went back with him, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring King Agag to me. Agag arrived full of hope, for he thought, Surely the worst is over. I've been spared. But Samuel said, As your sword has killed the sons of many mothers, now your mother will be childless. And Samuel cut Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel went home to Ramah, and Saul returned to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel never went to meet with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him. And the Lord was sorry he had ever made Saul king of Israel. First Samuel 16. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You've mourned long enough for Saul. I've rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I've selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied. Say that you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, 
Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimeah. But the Lord said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We'll not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. The Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let's find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He'll play soothing music, and you'll soon be well again. All right, Saul said. Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's son from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man. The Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, Send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. Whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Tomorrow, we'll see Saul, David, and Jonathan as they interact.